We acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of this land, the Bunurong people, and pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. We recognise and respect their continuing connections to climate, culture and country. To the Open Book Podcast. Books, events, and conversations with the team at Greater Dandenong Libraries. I'm April, and in this episode, we have a book chat from Susanna and Robin where they will discuss The Younger Wife by Sally Hepworth. We have another So You Think You Don't Like segment where Susanna will chat about the genre of true crime. And finally, We have two title reviews from library staff members, Natalie and Rosanna. Enjoy. Please be advised the following book chat mentions topics which may be triggering for some listeners regarding domestic violence, and sexual assault. Hi, I'm Robin. I'm one of the information librarians from Greater Dandenong Libraries, and I'm here today with Susanna, who's also an information librarian. Hello. Hello. Nice to talk to you, Susanna. You too. You too. How great was this book? Yes, yes. It was really intriguing. Um, It's called The Younger Wife by Sally Hepworth, and it was published by Pan Macmillan in Mm -hmm. 2021. Um, I first heard of this book. Uh, it was a recommendation on the Warm Winter Read that's been happening at the moment, mm-hmm. and it was recommended by author Jane Harper. So that's what sort of piqued my interest in it initially. Mm-hmm. And I thought I'd heard of Sally Hepworth before, and I had mm-hmm. wanted to read um, one of her books to see what it was like. So, yes, it was great to get into this one. Yes, well, I um I managed to read this on my recent um, overseas um, holiday, and it was definitely um, one that kept me kept me you know reading till quite late at night because it's domestic fiction, you know, um, mm. and and I think not only is domestic fiction relatable to your own everyday life, it's also like um it's almost like watching a, a TV miniseries as you read it. Mm. Yeah, it's it's very readable and the sort of intrigue keeps you going as well, I found. So do you want to give us a little sort of summary of what the book's about? Sure. So um, it's a family, uh, which is, you know, domestic fiction is often about families and it's about a family that has many secrets. Um, and there is Stephen, who is the patriarch, the father. There's Tully. Uh, she is uh, one of Stephen's daughters. There's also Rachel, uh, who is Tully's sister and Stephen's other daughter. Um, she um, is she likes to bake. She's a very good cook. She has an interesting life. Tully has a few children, and Stephen is actually um, getting remarried to a much younger woman called Heather. Mm, who she's the, two, the younger who, wife. Mm, who the two? Yes, who the two sisters. Uh, Tully and Rachel do find to be, you know, a bit of a threat to their relationship with their father, um, but not is, not all is as it seems. 
Mm. Yes, and when we um, start the book, it's actually the wedding of, mm-hmm. of Stephen and Heather, and it's uh, this chapter is narrated by um, an unknown person who we do get to find out about later in the story. Mm. But at the start, we're not sure who is at the wedding and viewing us and telling us all about it. Yep. And everything seems to be going fine until they go to the sacristy, is it called? They go yes. off to sign their um, wedding papers and there's an incident. Something mm. happens at the wedding and um, someone may not come out of it alive. So yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the big um cliffhanger that we're presented with at the start and then the book goes through um and the chapters alternate between the two sisters Rachel and Tully as you said Mm -hmm. and with Heather herself so we get to find out a bit more about each of them but I wanted to know Mm -hmm. like up front what did you think about Stephen? Because Stephen mm. is remarrying Heather, uh, mm. yes, the younger wife. He's divorced his wife, Pam, who is in the advanced stages of dementia and has had to be put in a, a care facility. Mm. Uh, what did you think about that? Well, it was so well written by Sally Hepworth that initially I found Stephen to be quite a, you know, affable, likable, you know, um, decent man, and and I and but then as as you read further and you read the chapters and you and you um, read where Tully and um, Rachel and even Heather have different memories of different things, you start to realise that this man is gaslighting everybody in his family. Mm. Um, and without going into too many specifics. You kind of get the sense very early on that you yourself, as a reader, are being gaslighted because you 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 read um, Hepworth's style and you think, oh, this man is, you know, he's a great, you know, father and a great husband to be for Heather, and so you doubt your own uncertainty because she's planted a few little red flags in the mm. story. Yeah, it's quite cleverly done, isn't it? I found mm-hmm. that myself. I thought. Yeah, I think I know what's going on here. And I thought, hmm, but hang on, are these are these narrators reliable or, you know, can right, I yeah. sort of trust yeah. what's going on? So it kind of mimics what's going on for yeah. the characters themselves, which is, is very interesting. Um, but Stephen, oh, yeah, I, I, I picked up on all the charm and, you know, he, he wanted to include his ex-wife in everything, mm. even invited her to the wedding because she loves the party and, yeah. you know, was always seemed to be very nice about it. But there was something a bit fake about him. And I Definitely. just mm. didn't, I just, I just didn't like that he divorced her in order to marry Heather. Like, that just mm. didn't it just didn't sit well with me at all from the start. Yeah, and also um I found that um because of his manipulative um personality, it also meant that the sisters were questioning their own sanity and so was and so was Heather and and that frustrated me because um those two sisters are quite close, right? So mm. they've they've each got their own secrets, which you find out in the book but at the same time they're still very close and so therefore him you know getting remarried to to Heather is sort of like um it's it's manipulative but it's also um 
it also does create, you know, some unnecessary tension, I believe, between between this family and their their mother Pam is, you know, fobbed off because she's got dementia. But what she is trying to tell them is actually quite important. Mm. And um and I found that frustrating. I was just like, listen to Pam, listen to your mum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and because she has advanced dementia, they they sort of didn't know whether the things that she was coming out with were mm. real or, you know, who they were, who they related to. Um, and also there's all that emotion tied up with it as well. I mean, they mm. were grieving for their mother who was, yeah, not as she used to be and it had sometimes didn't recognise them, you know, particularly Tully, I think, when she went to see her, sometimes wouldn't know her own daughter. So it was really difficult for them to grasp um, uh, what was happening to their mum and at the same time think, okay, well, now my our dad's divorcing her and mm. marrying this, this younger woman. Um, so, yeah, I could really relate to how difficult it was for for the daughters definitely um and obviously because they've both got these secrets um it's mm. it's crafted Sally Hepworth has crafted it in such a way that as you read it all the secrets are slowly you know coming to the fore um mm. and they're all you know very relevant and actually I think out of Tully and Rachel, I think Rachel was my preferred character because she has a lot of um, really awful um, trauma, but she still seemed to be quite resilient and managed to, you know, um, have a pretty decent, all accounts, happy life. Mm. Um, and Tully, you know, was quite a colourful character, um, but she obviously um, there's some underlying issues there which probably do stem back to Stephen's influence to a degree. Mm. Yeah, because they mm. both um, adored their father, mm. um, but there are, yeah, some things that are mentioned in the book like about mm. when they were growing up particularly, and how as, as things started to happen, they started to recall some things yeah. from the past and perhaps view them mm. a little bit differently um, about how their father perhaps had sort of pitted them against each other at times, mm. um, you know, encouraged them to be very competitive towards each other. He'd sort of, um, he'd sort of be, get on side with one of them and then um, break that confidence and then they would sort yeah. of be wondering, you know, what the heck is going on. But that was mm-hmm. sort of part of his makeup and part of his um, need to control, I guess, uh, and his scheming and we see that happening as a pattern throughout the book. And if you've got – and then you've got Heather, right, who's really vulnerable and young and, you know um, – She's, I guess she has a bit of a father complex because her father was absent when she was growing up and so therefore she, I guess, there there are some references to her relationship with her own father and how that can manifest with her relationship with Stephen as well, which I found mm. quite interesting too. 
Yeah, and he was also very abusive, her father. Um, so there yes. was trauma there for her. And I think she was also always looking for a fairy tale. She mm. was always um, wanting to be part of a perfect family and mm. she saw Stephen's family as being like that. So mm. she was really thrilled. Um, we should mention that she was their interior designer. So she That's came true, in, yeah. um, Pam and Stephen were clients of hers when they were going to remodel their house. So she got to know both of them. Mm-hmm. And then gradually things started to change a little bit and she started to form more of a relationship with with Stephen. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, she she was definitely looking for the happy family and I think she'd grown up sort of um, quite poor as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, and uh, Stephen's family, very sort of upper middle class and well off, had the lovely house and everything. And, yeah, I think she just, she really idealised their family. But it just goes to show, Robin, that um, no family is perfect. And, you know, we see the highlights, you know, like people on social media, we see the highlights reel of people's lives and people often don't discuss, you know, these secrets and these, um, you know, intrinsic issues within their family. So, you know, appearances can be deceiving and I think that Heather got um, sucked into, you know, um, wanting to have money and to have a, a happy family and all that sort of thing. Mm. And that's um, and that's a very common thing that, that does happen in, in real life. Mm. Yes. And, you know, that idea of, yeah, keeping up appearances mm. and sort of putting on a show is a bit of a theme throughout the book as well. So, Within the family, there's there's secrets and and things going on as we've mentioned, um, but yeah. also viewing that family from the outside, people yeah. would think, oh, you know, they're they're so great, everything's everything's going great, and mm-hmm. Stephen is so lovely, and um, you know, they mm-hmm. they do appear to be the perfect family, but it's only when we see beneath that, um, yeah. we, you know, we see the reality. It sort of belies the reality of what's really going on for all of these characters. And every, and I just have to add, every time I was reading about Rachel's baking and her cakes, I just wanted to eat a cake. <laughs> <laughs> it made me quite hungry. Yeah, they did sound pretty delicious, actually. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. yeah. They did sound good, Yeah. And she, well, so good that she ended up eating some of them herself sometimes, like ones that she'd <laughs> baked for her clients. <laughs> she yeah. ended up going into it herself. Yeah. So there was, um, I, I like I like reading books where there's talk about food and, and how it can give comfort to people um, mm. because obviously, you know, her baking and her, her comfort food was, um, you know, it sustained her. It gave her nourishment. Mm, with, all, yes. with all the inner inner um, trauma that she had. Yes, because um, we do find out in the book that Rachel has experienced um, a sexual assault when she was yes. around 16. Um, and and she, she hasn't told her family about that. No one in her family was aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, she, she had kept that to herself um, all this time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that was a really big thing that she was going through. And um, throughout the course of the book, she is able to reveal to mm. um, a couple of the other characters, including her sister, um, what really happened to her. And so that yeah. That's quite liberating for her. Um, 
but each of them, yeah, they're they're dealing with their issues and their trauma in their own ways. Rachel, yep. yeah, through food. Tully mm. is shoplifting. Yes. That's a big thing that we see. Um, her, uh, She's become quite a compulsive shoplifter. And, mm-hmm. again, people don't know about this. People think she's just no. the um, happy wife and mother. Um, well, that's not something you really tell people. Is it no, it's not. It, it, it's, I guess it wouldn't be. Yeah. And unless you are caught, mm-hmm. um, it's perhaps something that you can keep hidden from, from everyone. Um, there was a there was a funny moment in the book, and there is quite a lot of humour dotted dotted throughout mm, the book. You there know, is. I did chuckle at it from time to time. Tully has a big sort of a bit of a Karen moment um, in Bunnings at one <laughs> stage where she don't we she's, all <laughs> and uh, yeah where she's like she's got all these things in her trolley and she's just walking out with it and they're saying you know um excuse me excuse me um they've got her on camera and everything she's saying you know I've got my rights and you know yeah, <laughs> I'm just no. heading out of here it was really a cry for help from her I know I mean yeah she really she really needed someone to know um about what was going on with her and and get some help yeah, yeah. um and then Heather had a bit of a situation with, with alcohol. Yeah, they've all got their vices, haven't they, these characters? Mm, mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah she, do. She, she certainly did. But um, but I have to say I think her character is quite admirable in the sense that she had a sense that she was being gaslit and went to find out her own answers. Mm. Um, so I was actually quite proud of her as a character. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah, and did you find the ending satisfying? Like we'll try not yes, to <laughs> mention any of the ending. Um, yeah, because I think, and yeah, yeah, I did. I did think the ending wrapped things up mm. nicely, and we haven't even mentioned the hot water bottle with a hundred thousand dollars in it. Like, um, well, yeah, that's a yeah. big plot twist. Yeah, you'll have to read the book to to find out about that. I wish I had a hot water bottle going with a hundred thousand dollars in it. <laughs> I think we'd all like to find one of those in the linen cupboard. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting because the author um, had like a real life story in her life to do with a hot water bottle with money in it. And that's sort of, she said that that's what's inspired her to, um, to go on and write this story. Yeah. yeah, Brilliant. It was interesting. Yeah. It's really good. What, what would you give it out of five stars? Four? Four out of five. Four out of yeah. five. Yeah, I think it's a pretty solid four from me as well. Yeah, yeah. and and like I said, I think um, it'll probably be adapted into a TV miniseries at some point because these sort mm. of domestic, as I was saying earlier, these sort of domestic fiction books, you know, they often do kind of um, often end up that way. So it'll be interesting to see if there is a TV adaptation at some point. Yeah, I would definitely watch that one. Um, yeah, it'd be good. Well, thank you, Robin. That was, yeah, um, thanks. was great talking about that book with you. Yeah, it was good. And we would both highly recommend this one. So it's The Younger Wife by Sally Hepworth. And it's available to borrow from the libraries as a print copy or an ebook. We have our two title reviews. 
from library staff members Natalie and Rosanna. Be strong, be fierce. Life is more than a concrete floor. Hi, my name is Natalie and I am a member of the Children and Youth Services team at Greater Dandenong Libraries. Today I'm going to review The Way of Dog, a verse novel written by Zana Fralin, who is the award-winning author of The Bone Sparrow. In this book, Scruffity begins his life in a puppy farm, a world of cages and concrete. With the help of a lonely boy, Scruffity is set free and finally gets to experience the wider world with his new friend. But the outside world can be cruel, and when his liberator suffers an accident, Scruffity must learn to make it on his own. He encounters many more people and animals, some friendly, some kind, and some who are downright horrible. Whilst on his adventure, Scruffity learns all about the way of dog, how to run, dig, howl, and ultimately how to love. I have only read a few verse novels, but the ones that I have read have been wonderful. Fraylin's verse can be raw, but it was also very absorbing. She makes clever use of devices such as changing the direction and size of the text to vary the pace of reading, create tension and evoke emotions. I often found myself reading the book aloud because it was just so lyrical. The narrative is written from Scruffity's point of view, which is very believable. His unique vocabulary is delightful. From the names he gives different humans and animals, such as man pup, shoe legs and scratch cat, to the words he uses to describe his own senses, snuffle for smell and sound snatch for hear. I could imagine my own dogs using similar language to describe the world around them. I often laughed out loud at Scruffity's antics and marvelled at how well Fraylin described seemingly annoying dog behaviours. For example, how he needed to roll in a present, a dead bird, for luck, or how he simply had to sniff each town lamppost because they held a million messages. Exploring the world through a dog's eyes really did provide a new and interesting way of seeing things. Illustrations by Sean Buckingham accompany Fraylin's text and do a great job of representing Scruffity's world. This book was such a treat to read and review. It was both heartbreaking and heartwarming in equal amounts, but filled with strength bravery and hope. Like Fraylin, I believe that dogs can teach us many life lessons, like slowing down, appreciating the small, simple things, and trying to engage all our senses. Although this book is targeted towards upper primary readers, I enjoyed it very much and think it would be loved by adults and children alike, and especially by anyone who has had an animal choose them as their human. The Way of Dog is available for loan from Greater Dandenong Libraries. Hi, my name is Rosanna and today I am reviewing Kindred by Octavia E. Butler. Kindred is the first ever science fiction novel written by a black woman, Octavia Butler. It was first published in 1979 and is her best-selling novel. While it contains tropes and elements of science fiction, it crosses many genres and could easily fit into fantasy, historical fiction or speculative fiction. Whatever the genre, Kindred was particularly groundbreaking for its time, and Butler has since been called the mother of Afrofuturism. Kindred is about a black woman, Dana, 
who time travels from 1976 California back to pre-Civil War Maryland, where she encounters her ancestors and becomes entangled in the past. Throughout the novel, she is inexplicably wrenched back and forth through time and must figure out how to survive and return home. She quickly realises she must adapt to the time she now finds herself in, a modern, educated black woman living on a slave plantation. Dana plays a dangerous game in becoming a part of the Wayland household, forming relationships with the other house slaves as well as the white family. Butler does not shy away from describing the brutal realities of slavery. There is graphic violence and this book is not for the faint of heart. While it was intense to read, I found it deeply moving and engaging and I couldn't put it down. I needed to know Dana's story, if she is able to make any difference in the past and how she returns to her own time. I found it to be deeply affecting. It was so easy to feel like you were in Dana's head and experiencing her pain, grief, love and hate. Butler does an amazing job of depicting the complexities of survival, racism and misogyny. She uses first-person narration to deliberately echo the slave memoirs that she used in her research, and it definitely intensifies the reading experience. As Butler said in an interview, she wanted the reader to feel history. So if you're interested, you can borrow this book from our collection, as well as a range of Octavia Butler's other works as well. And there are actually a few TV and movie adaptations in the works, including one for Kindred, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Next up, we have our So You Think You Don't Like segment. Here's Susanna to talk to you about the genre of true crime. Please be advised that the following segment discusses true crime and may be triggering for some listeners. If you feel you may be triggered by this content, then please skip ahead. Murder mystery books are just so thrilling, aren't they? You know the page turners that keep you captivated whilst you try and work out who done it? There is some comfort when reading these books because these books are purely fiction and set often thousands of miles away while you are tucked up, safe and warm in bed. So when people recommend actual murders and actual mysteries of crimes that have never been solved, a lot of readers might balk at this idea because often these non-fiction stories are too close to home. So you might think that you don't like true crime because it may be Confronting, violent, distressing, and that's completely fair enough. But for those who like murder mysteries and thrillers, sometimes reading about the police investigation into cases and the court proceedings can be a really interesting extra facet of this subject. There may even be a personal connection to a local case or a particular missing persons case that has grabbed your attention in the past. One of the main reasons I like reading true crime is because I've always had a powerful sense of justice. I get really invested in real people, similar to interpersonal relationships, and then I want to follow through and be satisfied with the outcome. Sometimes I have read a true crime book and been very unsatisfied with the outcome, but the journey that the true crime author has taken me on can become addictive, fascinating, and also, at times, a cautionary tale. Nearly ten years ago this September, the vivacious and beautiful 
Irish expat Jill Maher was brutally raped and murdered by a convicted criminal. Her murder has become synonymous with parts of Sydney Road in Melbourne and I think is always at the back of every woman's mind as she walks the streets at night. Similarly, the horrific rape and murder of Sydney nurse Anita Cobby in 1986 shocked Australia. Alan Whitaker's painstaking investigative book about Anita Cobby's murder and the subsequent capture of her killers was so horrific and heartbreaking for Australians that there were even calls to bring back the death penalty. Alan Whitaker's Anita Cobby, The Crime That Shocked the Nation, goes into more detail. During the 1970s, the United States was infiltrated by a sociopathic serial killer, the infamous Ted Bundy. Most people know about him and how with his good looks and charms he managed to manipulate young women into assisting him and then maliciously and brutally abducting and murdering them. American authorities believe that he may be responsible for about a 100 murders, though he was only ever officially linked to 20 and suspected of more than 30. The Phantom Prince, My Life with Ted Bundy, written by Elizabeth Kendall, is a really interesting read. Elizabeth was Bundy's partner throughout the 1970s and he was a father figure to her little girl. Kendall felt great shame and guilt for a number of years for still having love for her ex-partner, though by the end of the book she has reconciled that and accepted that she and her daughter were manipulated by a sociopath. I really found this book quite interesting because it highlighted how some people can be very evil and manipulative and can be a part of our everyday lives and even our families without even knowing. Kerry Rawson's memoir, A Serial Killer's Daughter, is a heartbreaking example of someone evil lurking within a family. Rawson's book is really fascinating because her own father, Dennis Rader, was the infamous serial killer from Wichita, Kansas, BTK. Rawson really grapples with what she knows to be true of her own childhood and upbringing and also what she discovered later on as her father's crimes became public. Considering some of these examples, it is evident that perhaps true crime is not everyone's cup of tea, but it does seem to be quite popular with women for some reason. If you want my opinion, I think it's because, as women, we are very aware of our vulnerability in the world as the female sex and we can empathise and often see ourselves in the situation that we have been in our own lives, in the stories of the victims and the families. Our library service has a wide range of true crime books, including a lot of Australian true crime. For a full list of recommendations, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks for listening to The Open Book. You can check out the show notes for more information on all the items we mentioned in the podcast. And you can place holds on them via the Libraries Victoria app or at our website, greaterdanong.vic.gov.au slash libraries.